not going down just because of something some stupid adults are doing. Mobile suits. Monday, Monday. Camille's a man's name, and I'm a man! Uh, no carrots, please. Mobile suit? Roger that. Mobile suit. Mobile suit. Change. Although all enemies were defeated, Earth did not change one bit! The commander! <laughs> He's lost it! <laughs> every other day, every other day, every other day of the week is fine! You're a soldier here, aren't you? If you want to be more than just a grunt, you better learn to see the whole picture. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I'm the enemy, you idiot! Miss Matilda! Hey guys, welcome back to another G-rific, cortastic episode of Fanholes Mobile Suit Mondays. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and I am not alone. I'm joined in the Regild Century by two, count them, two of my fellow fan holes. Why don't you give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike, and when I die, I hope some girl cries over me and says I was an outstanding adult. <laughs> and this is Justin Monday. Choo-choo me. <laughs> awesome. Boop. Awesome. It's poop. <laughs> poop. All right, so so the, the official reason why we have all gathered here is we are here to discuss... Gundam Reconquista in G, the first movie titled Go Core Fighter, and this is a film that was released in Japan November 29th, 2019. It was directed and created by the original creator of Gundam, Mobile Suit Gundam, Yoshiyuki Tomino, and it's the first movie out of five movies that will compile the anime series Gundam Reconquista in G. So I, I didn't really know this actually. Like so that I was kinda like this is something that took me aback, but I think we'll 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 get into the details of that. And I don't have any really in-depth synopsis planned for Reconquista in G or or Core Fighter the the movie, but we're we're gonna discuss it tonight. And just to give a brief synopsis of of what the main kind of plot of Reconquista in G is about, I'm just gonna read a synopsis from the Gundam Wikia. The Universal Century, a history marked by space colonization and space warfare, has passed. Humanity's prosperity has ushered in a new era of global peace known as the Regild Century. Bellary Zenum, a pilot training with the Capital Guard, is chosen by the G-Cell, a highly maneuverable mobile suit of unknown origin, operable only by a select few, to embark on a journey that will change the course of the Regild Century forever. Forever. 
yeah, so that that's that's kind of like a, a simple soundbite. I, I I guess like everybody else, uh, these guys at the Gundam Wiki got tired of uh, covering uh, Reconquista NG because they only have like synopsises for like four episodes and then they're like, fuck this shit. Um, so they stopped. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, pretty much like we're, we're, we're going to discuss it tonight. I mean, I, I guess presumably we're going to discuss episodes one through five in detail or this this film compilation. And I guess maybe getting into some of the specifics eventually, you know, I'll, I'll I, I kind of want to discuss that. But I, I think to start out with, I think I kind of want to set the stage and, and ask Mike and Justin, and then we can, you know, I can talk about this myself. But you guys have both seen the entire anime series, and, and we've all watched this movie, so I guess just to set up kind of what your thoughts about it are and maybe let the listeners in on something that I'm already privy to that you both have constantly asked me to finish watching this because it sounded like you were, and I I don't think I'm exaggerating, but it sounded like you were both desperate to have a conversation with me about this anime. Like, is that, am I, am I putting words in your guys' mouth or is that, is that true? You are correct, sir. Okay. And, and is that true for you too, Mike? Yes, we were both like, we must talk to Derek Senpai about this. Okay, okay, that, that's what I felt like. So, so I just wanna, I just wanna establish that. And and of course, me, I'm I'm a, a lazy so and so. I I I think what was what I was doing was I think I watched like a few of the episodes subtitled when it was being fan subbed, and then I sort of lost track of it. And then by the time you guys were really asking me to watch it. I had gotten the the Blu-rays from Right Stuff Anime, and so that's how I pretty much watched the majority of the show. And I kind of took it a couple, I don't know, it was like two or three discs, because it's like maybe like eight or nine episodes a disc, and then that finishes you off, you know, because it's like 26 episodes. Which, you know, it's not, it's not a 50-episode series. It's not that big of a commitment. But I will say, this is... This is a Tomino Gundam series in the vein of Victory Gundam, where you are thrust into the storyline in Medius Reyes, and there is no, like, page 15 where John Byrne catches you up and explains how you got to page one. You are just kind of tossed into it. And it also is one of those shows where whether it holds your interest or not if you're not paying attention to all the little details it's easy for people to get lost or miss very pertinent important bits of information that has been disclosed to you in a very rapid fire manner so if you you know if you if you turn for a minute and get up to get a sip of uh, your tea or or your favorite beverage and then you start paying attention again, you may be like, wait, what the fuck happened? Somebody died? Somebody, like, pooped a fart bomb that blew up the entire colony? Like, what? And you'll have to go back and figure out how you got to that point. But yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, like, like I was saying, I kind of want to hear your guys' thoughts. Like, wh- why did you feel like you wanted to have a conversation with me about it? Like, can you, can you tell people, like, what your first impressions of Reconquista and G were and kind of how you felt about it? Well, much like the contributors to the Gundam Wiki, like, I think I also gave up about, like, four or five episodes into it. Like, I was pretty excited to sit down and watch it because I think it had been a while since I had watched a 
Gundam series from beginning to end. And especially like Tamino being involved, I was like pretty hyped about that. But after those four or five episodes, I was like, uh, I'm out. I think I'll just wait till this is done and maybe come back to it. And that's what I did. And the way you describe it is probably my biggest criticism about the series. There's just so much jargon thrown at you, and they don't really give you a time to catch your breath. Like, watching this, maybe maybe you'll appreciate this, Derek. Watching this reminded me of reading Dune for the first time. And even though I like had seen the 80s film several times, reading the book, there's so much in-universe jargon thrown at you. Like, Kwesak Hatterach, Grom Jabbar, Mintat, Stillsuit. Like, I found that to be very overwhelming. And like I said, like, I was familiar with Dune. But, like, when you finish reading the novel, you know what the Kwesak Cataract is or who it's supposed to be, right? Like, you know, like, what a Mintat is. Like, you have a good grasp of all these things. But in Reconquistan G, they just, like, give you little slivers of information and stuff. And they don't really explain a lot of it and there's some stuff they'll kind of explain a little bit like the last like the two big things for me are Kuntala and the Rose of Hermes like these things are name dropped in this film and in the series several times but I feel like they don't really properly address these things until like much later because like okay given context like stupid uh capital guard guy kicks norido he's like oh you kuntala and so i'm so i'm like okay kuntala is like some some kind of like derogatory term for a group or race of people like that was my interpretation but they don't really get into like exactly what that means and entails until like the last half of the series and then the rose of hermes it's like some kind of like blueprints or something left over from the universal century i think like i said like i i feel like they just barely skirted the edge of like what that stuff really means i don't know how mike feels about all this because like i knew like you you stuck with this through the bitter end didn't you mike yeah i watched it in its like original run like in, in japan like i watched it fan subbed or whatever and you know i kind of felt like i owed it to gundam and like tamino to just watch it like so and like i mean i like the visuals in in this series but i i think i agree with you where you know the jargon they throw at you the there's not a lot of connective tissue between like events and like character development yeah. like a character can be acting one way in one episode and then the next episode that's completely forgotten and like there's no like rhyme or reason to it or or like major events can happen or or someone can kill someone else and like it's like, they don't behave like a human being when, like, you know, reacting to these events. Yes, that's another big criticism I have. It's like, I feel like 90% of the dialogue in this film and in the series is just junk. It's just jargon. It's like, it's like if you're really into reading tech specs for Gundams or something, like, you're going to love this. But there's not a really much substance there. Like, every now and then you'll get a cute moment of, like, Raraya and Chuchumi or... There is something I noticed in this film where it's like Bell helps Norido on a platform and he like he pushes her up. He puts his hand on her butt 
and then he leaves his hand on her butt for like several seconds and then eventually she like kind of shoes it away and gives him kind of like a dirty look and i was like oh that's kind of interesting i don't think i noticed that like when i watched that in the series see and because it was because it was me i noticed it intently both times because i'm like wait you're 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 totally thirsty for bellary but yet he leaves his hand on your butt for three seconds and you're 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 slapping it off i'm kind of like come on mixed messages like what do you what do you do <laughs> come on and like uh, another big thing for me is like the characters i mean i joked about this on an old mobile suit money episode but like Raya and her fish Chichumi, like those are my favorite characters. You know why? Because they're really the only characters I cared about in this whole series. Like I was interested in the mystery of Raya. Like Derek said, we're thrown into this meteoritus, and like she's just she's a she's the original pilot of the G self, and she's kind of thrown out of it and falls like you know through the atmosphere. And through most of the series, she's kind of uh, childlike, and she's missing most of her memories. And she's kind of, she has these moments where she can like pilot a mobile suit very effectively, but usually she's kind of childlike and simple. And I don't mean simple and like derogatory or like she's like special or anything, but it just she's very uh, genuine, I guess, in whatever she's feeling. Like she's trying to get like someone's attention, and she's shoving chichumi in her face like i was interested in what was going to happen to her like would she get her memories back like is this little goldfish and it's little like water sphere like is he gonna survive like riding along in her mobile suit in a space battle like i i never really felt much towards bell or especially ida like i think ida is pretty unlikable until like the last half of the series like it it took me a long time to feel any to feel anything positive towards that character. So I think like all this like nonsensical jargon and the characters not connecting or relating very well or just I don't know. Like like Mike said, there's not a lot of like connective tissue there to get you invested in these characters. You know, like speaking of that, like I think some of the things they added to this movie that wasn't in the series were like little introspective moments for characters where they kind of like kind of massage their own like like motivations and feelings a little bit. Like in the series, I kind of remember like when in the first like or the second, I think it's either the first or the second episode of the series, but early on in the movie or whatever, when Bellary first gets in the G self. And like, uh, you know, uh, that guy Cahill comes to get like Ida back and Bellary ends up killing him. And like, it, it turns out like they, they reveal like later that Cahill and Ada were in a relationship. And like, you know, Ada is like devastated by his death and she's like, you know, pounding on Bellary's chest and whatever. And like in the series, like Bellary's like, what I do, what I do, like what's wrong, what I do. But like in, in this movie, like they add in a couple, like you know, he seems a little more shaken by it. They add yeah. in like some moments of like, I don't know, like minor like shell shock or PTSD with him, where he's kind of like, oh, like oh, I killed someone, like or whatever. But like in the, like I don't remember any of that from the series. Like he just kind of it happened, and then even like. Ida, Ada, I don't know. Is it Ada or Ida? I don't even remember. Um, I, I think I, I think it's Ida, right? Ida, okay, Ida. I've been I've been probably saying Ada, but 
even Ida, like she seemed like in the series, I think she kind of just forgot about it. And like, you know, if she was in a relationship with this guy, like it's been, and now she's like palling around with the guy who killed him. Like, well, you know, do you think there would be more drama to that? But then this movie adds like, does kind of focus on that. But like, I don't remember much of it from the series. I was going to say another thing that really irritates me is like character motivations are not exactly clear or spelled out. It's like, when they come to rescue Ida, like, Belle just kind of lets her take the G-Self, and then it's like they're just hanging out with pirates. And I'm like, dude, like, wh why did you let her steal this mobile suit? Why did you go with her? Like, because you think she's hot? Or because you feel some kind of guilt because you killed her boyfriend? Like, I don't, I don't really get his motivation. And then he's kind of like, at the drop of a hat, he's fighting it against his own people, basically. And he's just like, oh, I owe you guys this because I killed your great leader. I'm I'm going to, like, fight for you guys. And I'm like, dude, like, you were just on these... You were just hanging out with these guys on their little, like, thing going up into orbit and, like, you know, doing your rah-rah-rah chant and you were all excited and you had cheerleaders cheering you on. Like, you're going to fight against these guys? Like, I don't... I don't understand where you're coming from with this. Like, I don't get it. Like, I get why Norido is there because she likes Bill and she's looking out for him. She's attempting to keep him out of trouble, but I don't get why Bill is there at all. Like, I don't, I just don't understand that. And like, that's all these complaints that I've been droning on about. Like, this is really why I wanted Derek to sit down and experience this series because like, I mean, I, I'd like to think I'm fairly intelligent and can, discern meaning from you know book tv show or film but like i want someone like derek i'm like okay derek sit down and explain reconquista and g to me as though i were a two-year-old like i don't i don't know if that's possible <laughs> all right so if i'm gonna do the uh jonathan frakes you know treat you like you're two years old type thing i i actually tailor made this explanation for justin so so this is this is going to be my my overview explanation of it. I understand everything you guys have said. They're all extremely valid criticisms and extremely valid complaints. I will frame this just by saying the reason why I like Tamino so much is this is not he's not a Hollywood director. He's not a, a you know, blockbuster type director, he doesn't treat the audience like they're idiots, right? He expects you to discern things for yourself. So that, at its base level, I mean, you can be mad at him for saying one thing or the other, or, or kind of go, why is this so unclear, or something like that, and that's fair, and I, I think they're all valid criticisms, but I think that the thing I appreciate about Tomino is that he doesn't treat the audience like basically he doesn't talk down to the audience he doesn't spell everything out and there are things there if you notice it like like what you described with with Naruto Nug and Bellary when she leaps across the, the thing it's like there's there's all kinds of subtext in that and it, it, it there's no dialogue but it's a moment and and it establishes certain parameters of their relationship and the character it's like she likes him She's thirsty for him, but she's still not going to have him, like, 
touch her inappropriately or, or whatever <laughs> she you know what i mean like there's yeah. there, there there's limits right on what's going on between those two right and it also establishes hey they're not getting freaky right like that's she may be his quote-unquote girlfriend right when they're like oh why are you letting your kantala girlfriend and cheerleaders up here in the middle of the the undernut and all this other stuff right there you go there's a term where you're like what the fuck's a mantat what the fuck is the quizettes hatterack you're like what the fuck <laughs> is the undernut right and they're like hey i will explain to you the undernut is the 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 145th level of this fucking space tower and by the way the space tower is like the conglomeration of like all the energy production in the entire universe basically and and who has control of it but the capital army right or the capital guard right so okay so motivations and and what exactly is going on right like so this is in and you'll have to accept this as this is this is going to be a bunch of historical references that do not belong together because Tomino explicitly said I want to explore all the problems of the planet Earth and put them all like he threw every problem that faces the planet Earth in the kitchen sink in this series so the these are not going to be things that make logical sense like pretty soon you're going to see like abe lincoln vampire hunter and um you know ronald reagan's going to be punching a kangaroo or something you know like you're going to be like what derek what are you talking about but this is the best way i can do it so okay bellary who is our protagonist essentially he starts out he belongs to the capital guard okay so if the vatican had a coast guard okay that is what the capital <laughs> guard is okay and yeah, the tracks okay and then think of this as it's not italy where the vatican is centralized it's the uk it's britannia it's under british rule and bellary is a colonial he's in the colonies right like so he's part of the capital guard but what they're trying to do is they're trying to establish that they're, they don't want it to just be the Capitol Guard because there's this taboo against tools of war, Gundams, all this other weapons of mass destruction from the Universal Century, right? But the whole point is, so Kumpa Rosita, right? He's, he's basically the colonel in the research department of the capitol guard and his whole deal is he wants to manipulate the situation so that he can establish a capital army and abolish the taboo rule because he wants to make gundams and weapons of mass destruction and all this other stuff right so i mean essentially this is, like I said, in the historical context, there's there's a weird religious aspect to it. The reason why I bring up the Vatican is because they have, like, their, their holy, like, pope-type guy. They also have, like, Bellary's mother in this is, uh, you know, because he's Bellary Zenum, so, so her name is Wilmot Zenum, right? And she is the director of the capital territory right and that territory 
this is going to get confusing because I'm using all these real world examples, but the capital territory is pretty much located somewhere in South America. So just for context of, of around where they are and everything like on the planet Earth, right? In this future century or whatever, right? So the capital guard is at some point transitioning to become the capital army based on machinations of all these different political figures you've got their their space pope or whatever and the whole point is they treat they treat the the tower it'd be like treating oil production as a religious circumstance or something it'd be like if the vatican made barrels of oil and distributed them and got paid for them and and had a stranglehold on them it'd be like if somebody from saudi fucking arabia was the pope okay and so so he's throwing in like all these problems of the real world but in his own context with all these folks right and okay bellary is just kind of like a punk kid who, who's really bright really smart he's almost uh you know like you know how these days the term probably gets used abusively but you could almost accuse him of being a mary fucking sue right because because he's really he's young but he's you know he's not too manly he's not too good looking but he's pretty good looking he, he knows everything about mobile suits when when his instructor is asking him and drilling him about all this stuff, he's got his head in the clouds, but the minute he asks him something, he can immediately, like, answer the textbook definition of what's going on. And there's those funny moments where the instructor's trying to whip him, and then he's like, why are you dodging my whips? And he's like, well, you said we should be flexible in terms of the scenario, and I am now being flexible and dodging your, you know, punishment, right? And so it's supposed to be this kind of, like, funny thing but also at the same time that he's he's definitely quick on his feet when he's not in a wartime scenario so ida okay comes from the amerian army right but we don't really know that at the time like she just kind of announces herself as a pirate the pirate corps or whatever ameria is centralized again going back to the south america thing ameria is basically north america it's america okay and ameria was in turn a gundam so th this is the stuff that blows my mind because i was really under the impression i'm gonna get it i'm just gonna use this opportunity to get into this but i was really under the impression that reconquista and g took place before the dark history before turn a Gundam. okay yeah, me too. The, the, the reason why I thought that was because I was thinking, okay, well, it's all this technology and everything. And even the course of the way the series develops, there's other factions that we'll get into. There's there's Venus Globe and Tawasanga and everything. And I thought the Tawasanga were like the precursor to the Moon Race. But... Basically, like, it's funny because I, I, I sent you guys uh, a link to this interview where Tamino gave this interview. And th this is what blew my mind. And, of course, it, it, it's, like, funny. Like, he, he said a bunch of nasty shit. Like, I hate all other Gundam 
other yeah. than my own, and and you know, it's like Miss Sumeragi, like they would never let a lady with big boobs captain a ship. Like he said yeah, all kinds like, of what? stuff, right? The the Japanese Twitter, nobody freaked out about that. They were fine with all those things, right? But what everybody freaked out about is the continuity shit, right? And so they're sitting there going, okay, so let me, so, so, and this comes from, because I want to give proper credit to this guy, nekasuniki.com. So he, he basically transcribed like this live promotional interview where they were in this Gundam cafe. And that was like another thing to me. And I was like, hey, if I still had the copyright to Gundam, there wouldn't be no rinky dink stupid Gundam cafe. Like, I wouldn't let you do this, but I don't own it anymore, right? So basically, he's like, you made Gundam like a Mickey Mouse fucking bullshitty thing or whatever. And anyway, so nobody freaked out about any of that. But this is what they, they freaked out about that, that he revealed that basically Reconquista and G takes place a thousand years after the Universal Century, which makes it like maybe like 500 years after Turn A or something like that. So he's like, okay, during the Q&A, someone asked Tomino-san to give more details about the relation between G-Reco and Turn A. Ogata-san, the producer, started answering, talking about how G-Reco is before Turn A, like me and Mike and everybody in the fucking universe thought. But that's when Tomino-san interrupted him and said, that turn A is around 500 years before G-Reco. Ogata-san was shocked. But turn A is the furthest away in the Gundam chronology. No, that's wrong, Tomino. It's wrong, but this means everything in the booklets and stuff is actually wrong. <laughs> and then uh, somebody else, I think the interviewer or something, is like, well, they're just wrong then. And the people in the audience laugh. I'm, here, I'm happy to hear everyone is still with us. The producer, Ogata. This will create a panic in the studio. Uh, the interviewer, it will. Tamino, why is everyone thinking that way? Producer Ogata, well, because it always seemed so. Tomino, turn A looks like it's the furthest away because of the simplistic setting of the black history. Ogata, yes, yes! Tomino, but that was just turn A era's black history. Ogata, do you mean there's something like a time loop? Tomino, no, that's not it. Ogata, it's not? People laugh in the audience. Tomino, when speaking from a viewpoint considering Turn A's black history, Ogata, if you look at it that way, it seems G-Reco takes place a thousand years after UC ended. Tomino, yes. So, this means Turn A is even further away from G-Reco, chrono chronologically speaking? I mean, Turn A feels like a story in a future where UC was a long time ago. Tomino, not really. It seems that way? Yes, it does. Uh, that's weird. It wasn't supposed to feel that way. I definitely didn't want it to feel that way. So turn A is actually before G-Reco? Tomino, around 500 years before. Ogata, around 500 years? And then the interviewer, uh, is there reactions about this? The producer Ogata was looking at Twitter and the net during the whole event to check reactions. Producer Ogata, this will really mess up the timeline. People laugh in the audience, right? They, they go on about it. We didn't talk about this before. Uh, Tomino says this shows the fact that someone just decided this by themselves, and by someone he means himself. Anyway, so, so they, they talk about, I mean, Tomino's explanation for it is kind of like, you know how everybody gets all pissy about the prequels, like why do the ships look so advanced and nice in the Star Wars prequels, but then they all look broken down and ass in like 
the original trilogy. And, you know, a lot of people argue, well, there was lots of wars and all this stuff happened, and that's why they looked all broken down and ass. But, of course, we never see, like, a brand new, except for Solo, we never see a brand new Millennium Falcon or brand new X-Wings or whatever. We see all these other Naboo fighters and all this other shit. So it's like, where the fuck is the broken down Naboo fighters? But whatever. Anyway, most people are like, shouldn't the advanced stuff be in the futures, right? And Tamino, I guess, is coming from that perspective. He says... I wasn't, if I wasn't planning for it, I wouldn't have put amazing stuff in G-Reco like the Crescent ship. Was there anything of the Crescent ship's technology level in turn A? It means they couldn't have done it in turn A's era. And the producer says, I see. It's the same for all the basic technologies and energy levels. Oh, and the biggest reason why the turn A mecha doesn't show up is because turn A is based on a powerful backbone. Without it, you just can't recreate it. In a sense, turn A was somehow made by accumulating malice from all of the previously existing Gundams. That's what I thought of when choosing the name turn A. It was to show that a bunch of things lumped together and to show that turn A is a step away time period-wise and mental structure-wise. So then, when I was racking my brains very hard about what to do with G-Reco, I thought I had no other choice than to jump 200 or 300 years, so I just jumped a thousand years. If I skip a thousand years, not only can I get away from Gundam's chronological order in history, but I'll also have enough time behind for the backbone of my own story. Then I decided to make it into an anime that makes people think, and this is what I was getting at before, about today's realistic problems and threw in every problem I could think of. And then he says, and I don't know that I necessarily agree with this, this is something that other Gundam shows haven't done before. And I'm kind of like, well, dude, your own original Gundam show probably did that. That's why it's called Real Robot Genre, but whatever. So, okay. So, just, I know that was a, a side tangent, but basically, back to, okay, the Capital Guard, Capital Army, if the Vatican had a Coast Guard in Britain, okay? Amerian Army Pirate Corps. Okay, it's got that tie to turn a Gundam, because Ameria is basically North America, the USA, right? Okay. Ida is the Russian princess Anastasia, who escapes to America and becomes George Washington, leading the Revolutionary Army. Okay? That's what she okay, is. Okay, <laughs> Alright? That's what she is. The, and, and I know this gets complicated. The Toa Sanga, who are, to me, I thought they were, like, who would eventually become the Moon Race, but I guess now they're the ancestors of the Moon Race. They're the ancestors for Anaheim Electronics, right? They're, like, the Bolsheviks. They become the Soviet Union, okay? okay. That's the Durete family, the Durete fleet. Like, that, that evil fucking bitch who's on uh -huh. the Durete ship and everything. Like, she's the Soviet Union, okay? The Toa Sangan Resistance... Like, they're the bourgeoisie or the Menshevik loyalists. Like, they're, they're the ones that are the moderates or, or the loyalists, right? And they, they, want, they remember, oh, remember the good old days when Anastasia was the princess and there was a, a, a hierarchy and a royalty and everything made sense to them? That's who they are. And then the, the Venus Globe people, like, th that's a little more of a stretch, but it's kind of like, think of it like, what if the Roman Empire lasted all the way into the 20th century but they had all this weird french kind of bourgeoisie kind of nonsense attributed to it and then there's plenty of that violation of that taboo that research and everything that's that's why you're talking about you're, you're kind of like what is the um here let me i because when you said that i looked up 
The Rose just, of Hermes? Yeah, the Rose of Hermes. So, so okay, check this out. This is not me again. This is from... Um, this is from one of these, like, trope sites or whatever. But it, it gives a pretty simplistic explanation of the Rose of Hermes, right? So you're, you're pretty much right, right? The Rose of Hermes blueprints, they're blueprints, which the G-Self and the G-Arcane stem from, are leftover Project V data. They, they say that's a bit of a stretch, but this is possible. Though initially top secret, the success of the original Gundam resulted in Project V data being spread around after the One Year War. Basically, this is the book. This is the, the stupid book that Amuro is reading in the beginning of the One Year War. Up to and including it being passed to Anaheim Electronics. Like I said, Anaheim headquartered on the moon, moon race, Tawasanga. Okay, that's how that flows. Said data would be brought up over and over again throughout the years when somebody wanted to make a Gundam-type mobile suit, such that even during Victory Gundam's time, it was readily available. Fast forward a couple thousand years or so to the Regild century, where it's insinuated that the G-Self and G-Arcane, both confirmed Gundams, were developed in space and from a specific set of blueprints entitled the Rose of Hermes, and you may just have a connection. And then they point to, like, the symbol and comparing a copy of the Rose of Hermes that Bellary has to the, the RX-78 manual. Like, by, you know, basically, they're trying to say, look at how similar these look. They The, the, the idea is, and, you know, Tomino might get on Twitter tomorrow and be like, no, you're fucking wrong, you're dumb. But the theory is... That the Rose of Hermes blueprints is basically the original Project V data from the RX-78. So I, I know I kind of went over that really quickly, but like that's that's my that's my at least explanation of the the factions, like what's going on, and this will sort of tie into some explanation of the motivation because because you you have a question about that and i get it. it it's one of those things where it feels weird because you're watching it and you're like it's a good question and it makes sense like why why does bellary do what he does right i think part of it especially in in hindsight watching the movie because for me I, I i gotta be honest i'm happy mike's here to point out what he remembers as the additions and differences because I looked at the runtime of the movie and I'm like, this movie retells the first five episodes of Reconquista and G. And I'm looking at the running time, the running time is about an hour and 40 minutes. So do the math. Every episode is 20 minutes, right? So, okay, well, that comes out to five episodes, right? So I'm, and I'm sitting there going, they're gonna make four more movies. So I'm like, well, that's the other 20 one episodes or whatever right like so to me i'm kind of like I, I okay so i explained this to you guys off air but just so everybody listening gets it too like my dad loves the tv show supernatural when supernatural had an anime come out i you know i know anime and animation is not my dad's thing but he does like supernatural so i said to him hey would you be interested in watching this at all? I know you really like Supernatural because they made this anime out of it. And so he's like, yeah, sure, why not? And, and he's like, do the real guys do the voices? And I had to explain to him, well, you know, on one episode, Akles does some stuff, and on another episode, Padalecki does some stuff, and then they switch up the voices, and it's not always the same, so I know that's weird. And he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. So he watches some of it, 
And eventually he, he, he stops and he just says to me, you know, I felt like I'd seen all this before and I realized like these were the same plots, right? So they, they retold episodes in like 22 minute chunks of, you know, some hour long thing that was on season one. And to him, even though it was presented in a different format and it was something that technically was brand new content, to him, he felt like he had already seen it before. And that's kind of how I feel about these movies, or at least this movie, right? Because I'm, I'm sitting here watching it going, I remember this, I remember this, I remember this. The advantage of watching it again, I think, in hindsight is I know, I know some of the secrets and, and where everything goes. And to establish motivation, it's totally unfair because you don't know this at the time. And I'm going to go into a spoiler, so if you don't want to be spoiled for Reconquista NG, I don't know why you're listening to this, but don't go any further than this because i got to spoil something. Okay, so Shades of Anastasia, right? The Ray Hunting family, that's Anastasia, right? Well, mm -hmm. you find out that Bellary, who apparently Tamino named because he was ringing the bells of alarm, just like uh, Quest Pariah, she's a pariah. Right? Bellary is, is ringing the bells, I guess. It's very obvious on the nose, the name. Um, Bellary is her brother and is a Ray Hunton. And that establishes why only certain people can use the G-Self. Because it's DNA encoded. The reason why Ida can use it is she's a fucking princess. And they have the Ray Hunton DNA. And it was made for these... Tawasanga resistance folks or whatever it was, right? These loyalists. So that one day, the royal family could use this, right? And and sort of take back like the the you know, from, from the capital army you know, take back the earth, right? And so that moment in, and, and it's emphasized in the film you posted a gif about it today on, on Twitter that moment, it, it's weird in hindsight because it's it's got that weird vibe of like Luke and Leia where like they make out and you're like, wait a minute, these guys are sisters. And when, when you initially watch this without that layer involved, you think exactly what you said. And that's probably what you're supposed to think. Why is Bellary doing this? Because he thinks she's hot. You know, Naredo Nug is constantly jealous of Ida because of how Bellary looks at Ida, right? Ida's got that miss matilda thing going on like she's never gonna <laughs> give it up to bellary anyway so that never becomes a thing but th there's that aspect where th there's something about her that he recognizes that he's fascinated with that he he just finds himself uh you know compelled like he, he feels like there's some kind of uh connection right and the, the thing you don't realize is, because I've, well now you do because I've spoiled it, but the thing you don't realize when you're initially watching it is, it's not a romantic connection. It's, it's a familial connection. And, and I think because you, you run into this whole, and, and then, you know, you could throw tomatoes and eggs at me or whatever, but you run into this whole new type thing, right? And it doesn't get brought up too much in this, but it's there, right? It, it's part of that. Gundam thing that it's not spelled out, Tomino doesn't, like, hit you over the head with it or anything, but it's very much, you know, a Luke and Leia thing, like, I felt it, I have a sister, right? And that moment, right there, even though he couldn't 
put it into words and he couldn't say it and he didn't exactly know it right then and there. He knew, like, just, like, feeling-wise, right? Like, that's why her hair, like, does the slow-mo and the fucking thing. It's not because he's in love with her. It's because there's that moment and, and it's like he... He understands, like, th this person, I have a connection to this person, I don't quite know what it is, but at that point, he's decided, like, like, you know, and, and that's why he also kind of blows off Naredo Nug when she's constantly like, oh, he's in love with her, and he's like, shut the fuck up, like, no, that, you know, that's not exactly what it is, but there is, there is love, but it's, it's different, right? And so, to me, the, my interpretation of it is, what's the reason why Bellry does what he does? Like, why why does someone from Britain, who was a colonist, decide to join the Revolutionary Army? Right? And so, you have to, I mean, to me, it's like, I still think Bellry was a colonist, okay? The, the difference between Bellry and... Lewin Lee, right, is Lewin Lee fully embraces the Capital Army. So think of it this way. Bellary's a colonist and Lewin Lee is a colonist, right? They're a colony, you know, the America colonies, right? They're both colonists. Bellary goes off and joins Washington's army. Lewin Lee becomes a capital or becomes a, a like a captain in basically the Royal Guard, right? And, and becomes a redcoat right like that's that's how i sort of sell that to you and you know i i don't expect you to you know accept that or whatever but that's to me the motivation is there's multiple factors right he's he's trying to protect someone even though it's it's insane even though all this stuff happens rapid fire right like even when what what's his name again i forget the 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 the, the dude that she Ida's into that Bellary kills. What was his name again? Cahill? Cap Captain Cahill. Cahill. Okay. So so even even when Cahill is is constantly bombarding him like Muhammad Ali in the mobile suit, right? Like his concern is not necessarily for himself, but the the reason why he ends up going lethal, like you know, by accident, presumably, is that he's like, don't you understand like your own person is in here? Like, his whole thing is that he doesn't understand why, but it's like that, you know, familial hunter-gatherer thing, like that, like, like, the, the, the notion that you will, see, Tomino doesn't explain this, right? And it's not spelled out for you, but if you have a kid, right, or you have a sister, and even if, you know, that, that's the, the sketchy thing, is it's like the new type force Jedi thing. Like, even though Luke doesn't know that Leia's his sister yet, he goes through hell to protect her, right? And that's kind of what's going on here. Like, that's that would be my main kind of explanation of, like, what, why does this seem so crazy? And, and to us, I think we think of it as, if you come to it as thinking the Capital Army is the quote-unquote Federation or the good guys or America or whatever, whatever your country of origin is where you feel loyal and connected and and a member of right it doesn't have to be america but since we're all americans that that might be how you think of it like your protagonist is part of something and you associate it with that but i guess what i'm trying to get at is 
The Capitol Guard and the Capitol Army is not America. The Capitol Guard and the Capitol Army is like this weird merging of like the Vatican and Britain and you know whatever, right? Like the in 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 my analogy. So he's not really to to me like the the way you have to think of it is he's not a traitor if he's a colonist, right? Because that's how that history is sold here, right? Like to if if, if if things happened differently and you know uh, there were different victors and different wars and all this other stuff, then yeah, obviously the 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 history is written by the victors and you know Bellary would be branded a traitor and what's that traitor doing? But to me, I think there, there's different aspects to it and and I think what you said about Naredo is perfect, right? Like she's there because she thinks they're spying on them and she's looking out for Raya and she's looking out for. Bellary, and she doesn't quite trust Ida, and all this other stuff. As far as what Mike said, I mean, it's a fair criticism too, right? You have large amounts of emotional damage and baggage going on, right? Because you you established that, I mean, I don't know if they were knocking boots or whatever, but Cal Hill and Ida, like, clearly they had some kind of relationship. He looked after her, he was, like, patching up her... Um, when she got like a cut on her hand or whatever and there, there was something more there, right? They, they had a personal relationship that uh, maybe didn't fully come to fruition because she's, you know, this, this princess, this leader of a revolution and he's her general and since he dies, like, yeah, she loses her crap but there's also that aspect of, like, even if that happens when Bellary takes on that role and defends them, she is royally obligated to acknowledge his service. Like it, it, it's like it, it's like at that point, it's not so much that she's Anastasia. Like like think of uh, that you know the miniseries The Queen, right? Like like that kind of notion where it's like. It doesn't, you, you, the, the, the crown comes first, right? All this personal stuff. It's like when they had like the sister going off and gallivanting around with her, her uh, uh, guy or whatever. And it was embarrassing to the whole family in that miniseries. Like the queen can't, you know, the, the person who is representative cannot afford to do stupid shit like that. And that's when she takes something on. And 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 that's kind of why she says, like, oh, he was a... I mean, I know Mike was making fun of it, but, like, that's why she says he was a good adult, right? Because she, she was supported by him and cared for by him, but he never put her in a position, Calhill, where she had to pick him and their desires or whatever kind of relationship they had he never put her in a situation where she had to choose between their relationship and her duty because her duty is always gonna trump anything else right so i don't know anyway like that that, that basically like that's you know, and, and then we haven't even gotten into, you know, you're, you're asking about Kantala, and, and I made the joke about it, and I'm just going to say it here, man. I don't even know them Kantalas. Like, that's what a Kantala is. Like, like Kantala, apparently, they were used as fucking Soylent fucking green. Like, that's how low class they were considered. Like, they were considered so disposable that people fucking ate them. Like... That's why, I mean, think of it like 
do you let your fucking chicken or whatever like pilot your mobile suit you know like that's that's i mean you know again it's not something that's spelt out but it, it, you, you're you guys are both right it's a derogatory term and and the viewpoint i think of people who are are not associated with that term is that they are just the ancestors of fodder of a disposable you know again everything that people uh find offensive and rebel at you know the 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 mistreatment of a certain sect of people because of their background or race or religion or you know what whatever you go into right that is what Lewin Lee is representative of it's like you know, even even when he joins the army you know the dude tries to punch him and then he blocks and dodges the punch and he says uh -huh. oh you're gonna be a good it'd be like if a red coat came up to a, a, a slave in the 1800s and tried to punch him and he dodged and blocked it and went well boy we're gonna put you on the front lines like that's what that scene is like that's that's what that means and it's not spelled out and it you know it doesn't have the same visuals that you would normally associate with something like that but I, I think what I've found with watching Gundam over the years is if you don't make the effort to infuse your own parallels to what's going on and you know it, it's one of those things like like you have to force shit to make sense to you like, you, you have to be like Batman about it and force the world to make sense. And if that means putting on a crazy fucking bat suit and punching people in the face, like, that's what you have to do. And it's like, that's that's kind of how I treat Gundam a lot of the times. It's like, you you know, and, and the other thing that would have been nice is, and, and of course, Tamino would never do this because he's like, I treat my audience like I treat myself like I'm not going to talk down to you. I will let you figure it out and interpret whatever you want to interpret. And then when you interpret it wrong, I'm going to tell you you're fucking wrong and laugh or whatever, right? But to me, I, I was kind of telling you guys what would be awesome is if somebody had like a, a Jonathan Hickman level fucking family tree pie chart that went into like everything I just discussed, the, the Capital Army, who's a member of the Capital Army. And what you'd find is Bellary fits almost in all those like Bellary touches all those groups that we discussed like all the real main groups right Bellary is a member of the Capitol Guard right he's part of the Vatican Coast Guard he defects right and 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 becomes part of the Amerian army right and so he's tied to that and then given his connection to Ida he is her brother. So basically you find out he's the long lost brother of Anastasia. And so he's also connected to the Tawasangan resistance. So, and, and the, the, the other thing that, that people, there, there was something I read, I think online, and it was a simplistic view of it, but, but it was somebody trying to explain to somebody like that was just watching it like yourselves, where they're like, I don't get the motivation. I don't understand what's going on. And they explained it very simply saying, look, the Capital Army was at odds with the Amerian Army, but then when the Dorete family, who was a lot like the Zabis, like they, basically when Tawasenga became the Soviet Union, then the Capital Army and the Amerian Army became frenemies, 
because of the Soviet Union, right? The Britain and America became frenemies because of the, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of simplifying it, but basically the, the, this writing was simplifying it too, right? They became frenemies against one or the other. But then when the, they had all this kind of stuff turn around on them, then it was like you have the resistance involved in it too. And then it's like Tawasenga and the Amerian army became frenemies against the capital army because they're violating the taboo of all this weapons of mass destruction shit so it's like they go back and forth and and i think that's also something that's probably a difficult concept to to understand because of how fast-paced it is and also because maybe in terms of storytelling it's easy to follow a story where people are consistently loyal Whereas this is something where it's not about loyalty, it's about what is the most expedient way to sort of resolve a conflict, I think. Or, or maybe the better way to say it is, you know, the friend of my friend, you know, the, the, basically, you know, like that, the, it's like the enemy of, of my friend is my, you know, friend for the time being type thing. And that can easily switch depending on who becomes the more, uh, uh, who becomes the more detrimental enemy to the the nation, the state, the the you know whatever. So, and I know that's a lot of babbling bullshit, and I don't know if that explains anything or not, or if it gave you anything to wrap your head around. But that's that's basically how I would break all this down. Well, that's pretty comprehensive. Like I I mostly pieced most of that together. It's just the way it's presented, I feel like, and it's it's through like you know Tomino's like storytelling like style yeah, and his yeah. direct directorial style, which is not like new user friendly, I guess. So like I I'm like I I don't have a like huge problem of how it went down, but I I just have a problem of how it is presented. I think. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, yeah, I don't think he's ever gonna present it in a way that's like mcdonald's editable for people you know yeah i mean despite all my criticisms and complaints earlier like i don't hate this like i don't dislike it like it whereas some stuff i will become frustrated with and abandon fairly quickly like going back and watching this film and thinking about this more like i want to I want to like dive into it the way Derek did and analyze it. Like that's that's how I want to approach this. Like I, I want to understand, you know, Kuntala and like all that stuff. Like I want to try and figure out like all the the context and stuff that I am I guess clearly missing out on or not connecting to because I I though I had problems with narrative and character motivations and stuff, like I did like watching it when I was when I came back to it a second time and finished watching it. I, I feel like the, the, the thing that like freaked me out the most though was that he said that you know the, the whole turn A thing is not the, the final thing because then to, to me then that the, and this will apply to a character that you care about Justin at least so what, what's baffling to me is I think initially when I was watching the series and before I read that interview link I sent you guys my thought was like okay Lala soon Begat Raya Monday, begat. Um, it's fucking 
blanking now. Um, Loron. Loron, right? Loron. Uh, what's his name? Sex? I can't even think of it. Anyway, Loron, right? And and but now it's it's actually like now my my head is blown because I'm like, wait a minute. So then it's Lala soon begat Loron Seahack begat Ruraya Monday, and then I'm just going, oh, okay. So that it's a little different. But then I'm like sitting there going, damn, like so if you know, because because before I was like, well. If, if Amuro and Lala had a kid, spiritually, it would be Lauren Seahack, right? Now I'm just kind of like, well, wait a minute. If Amuro and Lala had a kid, then it would be Raraya Monday. And then Raraya Monday would have kids, and then eventually one of them would be Lauren. I don't know. Anyway, so it's just, you know, that, that was one of those things where it was, like, tripping me out and everything. And I guess one other thing I haven't really gotten to bring up, but I think I mentioned this to Justin before, is... The, I, I think we haven't talked so much about, I guess, what they're calling, like, the, the retro character designs or the, the, the actual style of the animation, I guess. And, I mean, it's frequently brought up, like, this aesthetic has things in common with Turn A Gundam. And the other thing that I, I, don't, I don't think you guys have seen this, even though I, I, I said that uh, I liked it and, and you probably be interested in watching it. Tumino did a show called Overman King Gainer, and the style in that, I feel like, really solidifies some of the stuff I see in Reconquista in G. Kind of like the, to, to what I compared it to, I think, to Justin Off-Air, was that I thought it was like the way Keith Giffen's art style changed over the years, and when he got into that whole you know, five year later, Legion, you know, everything had the blacks and the darks, and apparently he was influenced by some Spanish artist or something like that, and it seemed like then after that, all his work reflected that, and I feel like somewhere along the way, I don't know what it was, like, I don't know how much Tamino was involved, or the character designers, or whatever, but it seemed like whoever he was working with got some kind of influence you know, right around the turn A Gundam Overman King Gainer, and that also seems to reflect on on this show. Yeah, like like I said, I I love the visuals in this show and the character design and the mecha design. Yeah, like I said, my main issue with this show, and like maybe to an extent, like maybe the movie is just how the information is presented, and like like for example, like like take like the character of like Lewin Lee. Like, now, supposedly, his whole motivation or his one, like, I don't know, like, his relationship to Bellry, like, he resents Bellry because Bellry, you know, skipped grades. He's, like, the director's son. He's, like, spoiled and whatever. And Lewin Lee had to work for, like, everything he had. But, like, I feel like that doesn't, like, get played. That's, like, a tell-not-show thing. Like, like, he's, like, you know, he's... He good-naturedly, like, ribs Bellry when they're, like, you know, within the Capitol Guard together. But, like, as soon as he puts on that mask and he becomes, like, you know, he gets his official, like, station and he gets his mobile suit and everything, then he's, like, going for Bellry's blood. But, like, I didn't see any of that, like, when in their relationship, like, prior. Like, in, in like you know, aside from, like, like I said, like, him kind of, oh, Bellry, you're the freshman, like, you're the newbie, like, you gotta go first, like... Like, he, you know, maybe he had some resentment under the surface, but, like, 
you, it, it, it's not like, and then like all of a sudden he's like completely hostile to him when they're like on opposite sides and stuff. And I mean, obviously you can gather because Bellry, you know, switched sides that that would be natural. But you know that whatever that underlying hostility he already had towards him was like nowhere in evidence. Like I had to be told that, or I, I think I had to read that. So I I, I think there's there's because. Because Luan Lee, obviously, is the, you know, I mean, to most Gundam folks that are longtime Gundam fans, I mean, he's he's the shark clone, right, in the show. I think also there's there's a weird aspect to where I, I think your disconnect is he, he to, at the outset, on the surface, to you, he is the Roy Fokker character to Bellary's Rick Hunter. And you're like, how? when did Roy Fokker get butthurt over Rick Hunter? And the answer is he didn't, right? And I, I think that's the disconnect that you're having with it. I mean, I, I, I yeah. guess, I guess that, I mean, and that makes sense. That's fine. Like, I, I think that Lewin Lee has a, He is, I guess, I, I see what you guys are saying, because th this, again, are things that maybe are not necessarily spelt out completely, but I think it goes back to those problems that Tamino wants to explore, and he wants to explore uh, class discrimination, and he also wants to explore, like, like what stood out to me is Bellary's mom is the director of operations, and the way people treat her because she's a director, I mean, it's it's very evident in in certain organizational hierarchies, right? Like like people drop everything they're doing because a director asks for something, right? They've obtained this position, and you talk about people that have money as being the one percent, but I, I I tend to think, and then not that those people don't have money that become directors of of whatever, right? But but I tend to think that that political power in whatever sphere you're in like it isolates you from certain realities i think because because th that's why she's so blindsided by all these guys in the capital army basically walking all over her because she's used to being fawned over hand and foot because most people are like oh shit she's the fucking director we better roll out the red carpet and everything and the only thing the director's concerned about is the fucking space pope you know and and it's like so they have all these like priorities in their little pond their little ecosystem but the minute like somebody is basically pulling like a negan and doing a capital army thing that's why they push her out of the way and they're like look just just ignore this shit for the time being. Like, we're going to go and do our own thing. And probably the thing that's most attractive to Lou and Lee about that is he realizes that despite being viewed as chattel, this is probably his only opportunity to grab that power that he thinks will never be given to him no matter how hard he works. Like, if he was in that same ecosystem, you know how it would work? Bellary would be the captain. Bellary's the director's son. He skipped a bunch of grades, like all this other stuff. Like, certain things 
and certain systems are fixed. Like, it doesn't matter how hard you work or how hard you try. It's, it's who you know, who you're connected to, who you bribe, like all those kind of things. And the, I guess the other disconnect is that's not so much a character. Like, it's, it's like, it's like dealing with problems and ideals. And those are kind of, those are kind of foistered upon Lou and Lee. So it doesn't always, I, I understand what you're saying. It doesn't always like track per se, because you're sitting here trying to rationalize how he goes from one thing to the other. But I mean, I guess my only, my only uh, counter to that would be like, maybe he's just layered, you know, like, like, I mean, if you're in that ecosystem, you probably have to just put on a good face, right? Like, I mean, otherwise he'd be getting kicked like Naredo, right? Like in that one scene, right? And so he, he's kind of biding his time. Just like, I mean, Char didn't like Garma. He thought he was a spoiled fucking brat, but he had drinks with him. He smiled. He laughed at his fucking jokes. He took a shower and hung out with them like they were old fucking buddies. And the minute he had the opportunity, he killed his fucking ass. So, I mean, to me, I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, I think Lou and Lee's a pretty good shark clone. The only, the only thing he's not good at is he doesn't seem to fucking kill anybody. You know, like, he seems like he gets his ass kicked a bunch. But other than <laughs> he gets that... his ass handed to him the entire series, yeah, I felt. Yeah, I mean, other than that, then at that point, he's a poor shark clone, right? But, but I mean, as far as, like, his machinations, his motivations, I don't, I don't see that putting on a false face, and, 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 and the interesting part is, it's, it's a very Batman-like thing, you know, the Lewin Lee is the Bruce Wayne, right? The minute he puts on the mask, the Bat mask, the, the Char mask, that's when the real person comes out, and is like, I fucking hate your stupid system it's fucking you know totally biased it 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 is you know something that only the elite can can actually uh succeed and and uh elevate themselves in and there's no opportunity for me because you're never going to see me as anything but a kuntala dog right like that's all i am to you just a fucking dog you know so but yeah i yeah I, I think it's interesting. Like that—that's kind of why I like, you know, th 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 that's one of the reasons why I like talking about Gundam stuff is because there, there, there is stuff that's interpretable, and it doesn't mean what I'm saying is right and or wrong, or what you're saying is wrong, and or vice versa. You know, what you're saying is right and I'm wrong. It's just I, I think I think there's a lot of room there. You know, like like because of of it's fictional, right? And and it doesn't. It, it's not necessarily solidified like you you sort of have to solidify what it means to you and thus it's like you know i make fun of it all the time but it's like you know watching gundam sometimes is like going to you know the kingpin's fucking art house and staring at that fucking white painting and just getting whatever the hell you get out of it right and that's that's kind of how i i see this you know well with that in mind, now that you're ass deep in Reconquista, like, did you enjoy watching the series? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. I mean, I I feel like... The, well, the... what, I guess then, like, well, do you have any criticisms like Mike and I have? Or yeah, anything yeah, so? I think I think the thing that, that I found kind of troubling was, and, and it kind of ties into the Lou and Lee thing, is, like, I'm kind of wondering it's like it's like okay reconquista means to to reconquer right 
And so you're like, okay, well, what exactly, like, is it, is it, you know, the, the, the is it the notion that the, the former, uh, bourgeoisie, you know, of, of Russia are trying to reconquer, like, the, the, you know, in, you know, in my analogy, right, the, the, uh, Togasawa, you know, are they trying to reconquer? Is it the Venus army? Like, is there that aspect? Like, I, I, th there's, there's meaning to what the name is, right? You've got the guy from the capital army who's the head, right? And he's trying to basically, you know, bring back or have control over the, the weapons of mass destruction as well. But th there's that weird aspect to me where when all said and done, like, what I, I I just wonder like it feels like there's more story that needed to be told you know like like to me I think my criticism is once once it all wrapped up I I can't like the the way it felt like to me was there there was lots of intricate seeds planted there's lots of breakneck information dispersed you are treated like a fellow intellect so you 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 are trusted to pick up and interpret and understand all these different concepts and problems and things that are dropped but the the, the biggest complaint i'd have with it is i wish there was some sense of either not not necessarily catharsis but some sense of like okay you've shown me there's problems but like what's the fucking solution you know like or or what's your attempt at like what what do you think might solve some of these problems and i feel like the problems are still the problems like like whether lewin lee dies or whether lewin lee just gets his ass kicked and he's sitting there you know hugging his girlfriend at the end okay great like but what's the solution you know, like, what's, you know, like, like, what are, are, you know, I mean, is it like, is Ada and, and Bellary going to become, uh, fucking, um, Kira and fucking Lacus and run around and be goody goodies? Like, are, you know, like, what, I, I don't know. Like, like, I, I just felt like, tor especially towards the end, I kept looking at all the episodes and going, okay, 23, I'm on episode 23. Wow. They gotta shove in a lot of stuff to have a complete story in the last three episodes. And then I'd watch 24 and 25, and I'd be like, well, shit, it seems like they're still telling a story. Like, they're gonna have to fit an awful lot into 26 to wrap things up. And then I watched 26, and I just felt like they tried to wrap things up, but I, I felt like this was something that was, like, canceled or something. You know, like, like that they just... I don't know. It, it felt like... It was incomplete to me, and that that would be my my criticism. I th I think it was intended to be a fifty episode series, but it got cut down to twenty six. So like it, it's a kind of like again on a larger scale, but it's kind of what happened to like F ninety one with mm. like like what Tomino wanted to do with that. I mean, I so, mean that I, that could I mean if you think of it that way, if it, if he tried to squeeze fifty episodes worth of content into twenty six, that could account for the massive info dump feeling that you have when you're watching this, right? That there's just too much, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, I, he had he he's bursting at the seams with ideas, but I, I still feel like you could have 
conveyed all this information like in the time he had and not had it been confusing and a, yeah. like a pile up of information yeah, like yeah. No, I I, like, I I think it's fair. Like I, like I, I yeah. before this earlier this week, I watched like a review of this series just so I could remember like what what you know what the latter half of the series was like and you know whatever and like the the guy on YouTube who reviewed it was kind of like like and at a certain point you have to like start taking things as they come, uh, even like when it comes down to what like the G self can do like you know. Why can the G self do this? Why can it do that? Like, why can it shoot like energy versions of itself out? Like, why why can it just, you know, why can Bellray make it do this like, you know, big like new type explosion like thing or whatever? Like, what 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 is happening? Uh, why does it, you know, like stuff like that? It's like you know what they they call it on TV tropes like powers as the plot demands basically. So like. Like, Bellary's surrounded, so of course he's going to create this energy wave that radiates out of the G-Self, like, from, I guess, like, the Ray Hunt and Code, like, artifact or whatever, like, you know, when he does his little, you know, escort, like, yell yeah. or whatever. Like, it, that, that's interesting. So do you think, do you think they basically abandoned the real robot aspect of it and just focus too much on the real like in other words all these problems like with say having a, a consistent and non-monopolized energy source like that's a problem but it doesn't have anything to do with robots right like the the you know war is a problem but it doesn't have to have anything to do with mobile suits or robots right so like but what you're basically saying is oh anytime he busts out his beam sabers and does the the, the super duper, uh, you know, spinny shield thing, you know, like, or, or when the beam saber, like, extends to, like, 4,050 feet for no reason so he can, like, slash the guy, you're like, oh, hey, how, how, why, why does it do that? Like, how does it do that? And, you know, I mean, I suppose you just say, well, it's the G Reco, it's the main suit, it does all this cool stuff, you know, but does that remove it from being a real robot? I guess, I, you know, for, for the, the thing that Gundam's heralded for. Yeah, like, new-type magic is not something that's obviously new to Gundam or whatever, but it, it, like, it would be nice to know that this kind of potential existed. Like, like I think even, like, like when Mask retreats in the final battle, he's like, no one fucking told me those beam savers could, like, extend. Right, like, fuck, right. this, fuck this shit. Like, so, I kind of yeah. agree with him. Like, you know... <laughs> It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuck this shit. It's like, <laughs> you know, you, you cheated. it's like if you're, if you're like fighting someone and then all of a sudden, like they, they, a big hole opens in their chest and they shoot a basketball at you. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, uh, wow. Where the fuck did that come from? Like, Dude, next time we get together, I'm, I'm going to open a big black hole in my chest and shoot a basketball at you. Uh, I look forward to it. Uh, that's good. So what about you, Justin? Like, did did you find the the robots too super robot-y? Or what, like, what are your thoughts on that? I had the same questions as Mike. Like, how can this do this? Like, why is it supposed to do that? But, I don't know. I mean, we've seen Gundams do wacky stuff before. And what did I just... you... <laughs> it's funny, you were talking about this. Like, what did you... This, again, is not in this movie, so it's going deeper into the series. But what did you think about the whole... Um... stuff the 
the uh, like the Venus globes like uh, uh, colony where they they did the thing where the dude shot and there's like the sea under the colony and then the sea comes out into space but yet they can go up through the water and come out on the other end of it into like a little sinkhole basically like I was kind of like I, it, it, that made me start thinking like I, I wanted to have some like you know NASA science guy explain to me why that was valid or not valid like cause I'm like wait they did what? like like would I'm like, would that happen, or would, like, because I, I, apparently it's like so many thousands of feet, this sea, so I guess, I guess that makes sense, but I was just kind of like, it just seemed like such a weird visual to me, and it wasn't anything I'd ever thought of, but it's like, it makes sense, they said, don't fire here, because you're going to fuck up the sea, but then they shoot, and then the sea, like, pours out into the, into space, but then they can still go up into the colony, and I was just like, I don't know, anyway. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the the real world uh, ramifications would be. You know, the thing I always would read was, you know, in science fiction movies, if someone gets blown out into set in the space, usually their eyes will freeze or burst or something like that. Like, and I don't know how they they know this because you know, unless they were testing cadavers, but <laughs> apparently, apparently, like that's not what happens if you're blown into space. Like your eyes don't freeze or shatter or explode. So. You know, they it's like they always get that wrong in movies. I'm just like, well, how did you test that? Like, did you did did NASA take a severed head or a cadaver into space and just throw it out there and test it? I'm just like, that okay, your tax dollars at work, I guess. That's kind of weird, but you know, supposedly that like that's what would happen or that's what wouldn't happen in reality. But yeah, I I don't know. But as far as like the mobile suits and like what they do, like I mean, we we've seen Gundams do wacky stuff, so. I mean, if what you're saying is true, like, this is, like, thousands of years past UC, like, I can imagine they would put all kinds of, like, wackadoo technology yeah. for new yeah. types in their suits. Like, that makes sense. Like, I didn't question the abilities of the G-Self that closely. I was more concerned about, like, you know, motivations and plots and how, these, how all of these things relate to one another. Yeah, I mean, I've always been more character driven like i can barely remember the names of mobile suits much much less you know kind of focus on what they can or can't do you know but i i could appreciate like if if you thought this was supposed to be the real robot genre and you felt like you know it, it was starting to get to you know g gundam levels or something like that where you're like well wait a minute like you know type thing there's a certain level of ass pulls i'm willing to accept like basically but <laughs> But, like, I, I just wish they had established the ass pull, like, ahead of time, maybe. Like, mm. or, you know, I don't know. Like, it just, like I, I know for a fact when I first saw Bell redo that, like, energy wave or whatever the, in the in the show, I was kind of like, okay, that's that's weird. But it's like, it's almost like Bell re, like, opened his cockpit and, like, shot a basketball out of his chest or something. <laughs> like that. I guess yeah. since you you guys have established like how much it was difficult for you to assess character motivation, like I, I think Justin's probably already answered this, but uh, but maybe not. I mean, maybe is the character he related to is different from the character he he was most attached to or whatever. But like, do you do you, do you feel like are there protagonists like are there characters where you go like I can get into their heads because it seems like 
I mean, at least it, it, to me, it seems like that's something that was difficult in this process, right? Was it sounded like you guys don't, you can't really get into the head of Bellary, or you can't really get into the head of Lewin, or you can't really get into the head of Ida. Like, like, were there any characters that you felt like that was true of, or did you just feel like they were all sort of, you know, like your counselor Troy, and you're like, I can read nothing. Like, is that how you felt for like all the characters? Well, like I said, the reason I was so like into Rariah is because like I could understand her motivations and like what her arc you know should be like she's a character who's very childlike and she's lost her memories like so the question is will she get her memories back like that was something i was invested in like she she's just along for the ride and being along for the ride is something i felt with like Belle and ida and some of these other characters it, it, it seemed like they were always jumping from one fraction to another it's like the capital guard to like you know the pirates to the people in space and then they're like operating they're operating on their own against like almost just about everyone else i don't know it, it, it was kind of hard to discern like what exactly they were standing for or standing up against or fighting for at first i don't know like everyone just seemed kind of well, not everyone, but like most of the characters just seem wishy-washy. Like I felt like I didn't have a firm grasp on most of the characters. And then characters like, you know, Lou and Lee, like I kind of like with Mike there, like, it just seemed like his his anger kind of came out of nowhere. But the, the way you talked about it previously, Derek, like that kind of makes sense. Like I don't think I'd considered the full depth of his story and the way he was treated. Like I, I guess like that would come out like that maybe. Like, I feel like I had to read supplementary material to understand his character mm, almost. Okay. Like, like I, none I, of that, like... I, I think that's fair. I mean, like, like because that, that that's that thing, that notion of... I, I used to have buddies that, you know, when I was knee-deep in the Star Wars, and I'd be like, but there's books that say this and that. And he'd be like, fuck you, that wasn't in the movie. And eventually, like, I kind of understood that point of view. Like, like and and if that's true of this, right, then then... I mean, I, I understand what you're saying then, Mike, because it's like, you're, you're like, dude, that wasn't, you, you didn't, you know, the, the, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to remember, like, I feel like that whole treat them as food thing was not really spelt out or said at all in the series, but no, I can't remember. I don't think one. it was. Yeah. But yeah. well, one character I do like, and he's my avatar is uh, Klim Nick. Like I, I think he, like he, I, he's not like super deep or anything, but he has a, he has a number of scenes that like, you know, give him a little extra depth where, you know, he's kind of an arrogant, like, you know, like sort of a Vegeta type where he's like an arrogant sort of like high muckety muck. He's got, you know, he's gotten, he's like a prodigy. He's constantly calling himself like a genius. He's, he reminds me like he's a mix of Vegeta and like Quicksilver. I feel like where he's <laughs> like, he's got like the, that sort of haughty, like, he also, like arrogance. He, and I, like, I guess but, if you go back to, to Gundam though, he's, he's got a little bit of Kai to him too, you know? Yeah, yeah, he's, you know, he's got that edge to him. But, like, like he's got some depth to him, too, like, I feel like. Like, I, I like that scene on the bridge where, like, him and Bellry get into that, like, little, like, wrestling match almost. And, like, Bellry gets him in an arm lock. And, like, he's, like, holding him and trying to, like, beg to, like, help, like, pilot and defend the ship. 
And then when he lets him go, you'd expect, like, if it was Vegeta, you'd expect Vegeta to, like, pout and, like, you know, not agree with him and hate him forever or whatever. But, like, when the captain asks, like, Clem Nick, like, what do you think? And he's like, oh, I think this boy has some skills. Like, we should make use of him or whatever. So, like, you know, he, he's, you know, he doesn't have, he's not so prideful that he can't recognize someone who's got, like, game or whatever. Well, I, I like that moment because it was their, their instructor at the beginning who fights them in that battle, like, towards the end of this movie. And, like, he has that really good moment where he basically says, like, oh, you know, only a really good commander would have retreated right at that moment. And, and he's a good pilot, too, because he cut off the fingers you know, of my mobile suit. And, I mean, part of it is arrogance, like, oh my god, somebody cut off the fingers of my mobile suit. And it could be like, you're an asshole and you don't know how to fly it. But I don't think that was what was going on. It was it was that I'm a good pilot, I'm a genius, but he, he, he managed to get some hits on me. And also, he, he the, the person was strategically sound in his retreat. Like, and he recognized that, j just like you're saying, he, 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 he has... A good sense of himself he, he he has no problem in in sort of extolling his own virtue but it doesn't mean he's blind to the uh, talents and and uh virtues and, of others either and then like and for someone with like you know who carries himself like that like he's he's I like i think it's funny that he's kind of like relatively patient with raraya like shoving yeah. her fish in his face and like <laughs> grabbing his hair and stuff like he's not like you know get this woman away from me he's just like I... you know stop doing that like I, I always took it, and I, again, this might not any be anything that was spelled out, but if there was an actual beach episode, I, I imagine they would go, you know, play in the, the water together and, 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 and have a thing. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I just, you know, thought, like, oh, maybe he kind of liked Raraya. Yeah, so he's, I think he says in the series, he's like, you've got beautiful eyes or yeah, something, like, yeah. tells like, her. I mean, but, I mean, and I, I mean, and he's, he's got, like, a girlfriend or whatever that, what's her name? I forgot, the other pilot uh, oh, who shows oh, up yeah. with, the, Mid, with the Rapunzel hair Mid, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, maybe he's just secure, but. She's pretty. I like her. She's pretty. <laughs> And I like I like I like I said earlier about Mask or Lewin Lee, like he never like really impressed me for this entire series. And like even in this first fight when he gets his brand new mobile suit and like he, he faces off against Klim Nick and like he, he like gets the upper hand on him like once and then like Klim Nick tosses like a javelin and it like stabs into his mobile suit and he's like i've got fucking more javelins asshole like you know and then like when it cuts back to mask he's like all panicking and shit so i was like oh yeah you're you're cool like and i think like when i did my list of like top 25 favorite mobile suits on my f five bottom list is the suit that mask will get probably in the next movie I think it's called the Mac Knife, and it, it looks like something out of Metabots or something. Like it's got that face, and it, like <laughs> when when I think of like how badly Mask get gets owned in this series, it's like there's a there's a point where like Bellry like rips off its leg and then kicks it square in the nuts, and like <laughs> when he does that, like like mask like shrieks like a little girl almost like he's like oh and he's, he's like calling for his men to retreat or whatever so but i mean like you know i i get like i appreciate all the mythology and the lore and like what what you know what tamino's trying to do here i just wish it was like the presentation 
is probably my main like and not like visual presentation just narrative presentation it's like i wish a lot of this stuff had been spelled out more clearly and i think the movies are making an effort to do so like some of that at least like i think like i said that stuff that i noticed that i like the animation looked a little newer like i could kind of pick out what might have been new and or stuff i just plain didn't remember were all these little asides that like Bellry and like Ada had about like, you know, what was happening and like, you know, their motivations. Like, I think even Bellry's mom has one like to the effect of what you were saying about her, where she was like, like all these people don't understand, like, you know, or what, you know, why are they treating things like, like I've been left in the dust or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, and then, you know, to me that, I mean, maybe that's, personal for me but i mean i think that establishes the the arrogance and the 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 ivory tower nature of positions like that where i mean it, it it's like if you if you believe the best of the person then you believe they're trying to do a good thing and they just become ignorant of how people have been treating them but i mean to be realistic about it, they have to know, right? Like, they have to know that somebody's placating and kowtowing and all this other shit. Like, they have to know, right? So, it, and then it's, like, funny, because then all of a sudden it's, like, when, when people don't do that, when they're just, you know, manly men in an army and they shove her out of the way, like, it's kind of like, well, wh- wh- I mean, I don't, it, to me it's just funny, because it's like, well, that's... You know, that's one of those problems that Tamino explores but doesn't really have an answer to, you know? Like, like, how do you... How do you remove that from a society you know like i i it almost feels like you don't so then it's like okay well you've now explored the problem like you've 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 brought that to light not that people didn't know about it but it's brought to light in your art but then you know i i i guess that again it comes back to what my um criticism of it would be is just like i i don't know what to do with that now you know it's like i i knew it i'm not ignorant of it like but what do you you know what do you suggest we do you know like i think even that review i watched was kind of like you know the show ends in none of the like like you said kind of like none of the main the real like underlying issues are really solved it's like you know, everyone just goes off in their own directions, and they're like, the world is still almost the same. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe in the later movies, there'll be like, you know, swaths of new animation or something that like add more consequence or or flesh things out a little more. Or I don't know. But like, I I don't know. Like. This was super dense. Like, like I enjoy like like your whole analysis of it, and like I, I enjoy like my own like, in, like in trying to interpret it for myself. But I don't know. Like I, I like because the characters are so like I I want to say like impenetrable. Like it's hard like to like you know 
have nice things to say about it. Like, like for example, and I know you guys haven't seen, like, you know, Justin hasn't seen any of it, and you haven't seen the second season, but, like, Iron-Blooded Orphans, like, the second season has, like, so much, like, you can examine, like, so much to do with the characters and, like, all their motivations and their backstories, and, like, there's a lot, like... And even, like, in regards to, like, the larger Gundam framework, there's a lot of stuff where you're like, oh, that's, like, a, you know, that's a subversion of that. That's, like, a, you know, a sort of a exploration of a, another familiar theme in Gundam. And, like, but the thing was, the difference is, like, I recognized it, like, immediately. And this, like, I had to, like, I don't know, like, tease it out, I guess. Like, in, I don't know, a... I felt like it should have been like more surface level. I guess that I I think that series like remember how I said that this series starts off in Medius Reyes and never goes back to the John Byrne page fifteen where they catch you up to page one. Like I I think that Iron-Blooded Orphans, like, is, does do that. Like, whereas you, you, some things you have to be thrown into, and you're kind of figuring out the setup, and then once they let you figure that all out and have some action beats, then, then they kind of go back and go, oh, dude, this is how they became bros. You know, like, this is, this is, this is how they first met, and this is why you know these characters are so important to one another so. there, there wasn't there wasn't a character in that show whose motivation i didn't understand like by the end of the show like but this show i'm not so sure i don't know justin do you have any other uh thoughts not really i mean like i said often when i become frustrated with a series i'll just drop it and i won't go back to it or bother with it again but I came back to this and I wanted to understand it. And like I said, I don't hate it or dislike it. I mean, I bought a Gunpla kit of the G-Self Perfect Pack and I enjoyed building it. Like, I, I wouldn't have spent money on something I disliked. So, I don't know, I feel like if every episode is a piece of the puzzle, like, I feel like at the end of the series... I feel like I'm unable to stand back and look at the completed puzzle. I feel like I'm constantly, like have my nose against the puzzle and I'm still trying to figure it out like that's kind of how I feel about it but it's like one of those pictures you have to look at to see like one <laughs> of those red pictures to look at and if you look at it close enough maybe you'll see an image like or maybe not yeah but um I did really enjoy Derek's analysis of it and it did kind of like shine some light into some dark corners for me I, I did I did sort of when I was thinking about it I did sort of try to tailor make it for you specifically, so Mike might have felt left in the dust. But I, uh, <laughs> I was like, you know, I, I was trying. No, to... I'm I'm running behind you. Yeah. I'm not when in you, the dust. Well, when you were like Ida is uh, Anastasia, and I was like, ooh, and that would mean Bill is like Alexi. I was like, I get that. I yeah, get that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I put. I I understood that reference. Yeah, yeah. I got that. I'm not a philistine. I <laughs> What do you, uh, like, I guess for a more superficial thing, like, what do you, like, I, I really love the mecha design in this show. Like, what do you guys, what do you guys think of the G-Self? Like, the, you know, the gun, the, you know, the Gundam of the show, like. I, I really like the G-Self. I like the arcane. 
The other suits, I'm not that crazy about, to be perfectly honest. Like the other grunts and stuff? Yeah, I, yeah. I was going to laugh, because what, what are those grunts that the Capital Army use in the beginning of the, the series? The, the one that, like, Bell, Bellary's in? Rectins. Rectins? Yeah, yeah. 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 Then, like, like to me, like, I, I was always like, dude, what, what are they, to me, they look like Simon Says mobile suits, you know, because it's like the square, but they've got the different yeah, colors yeah. on it or whatever. So, like, yeah, I mean, I think those are kind of funny looking. And then you've got the the cat Siths, but I always call them in my head the cat shits. <laughs> the cat shits. And then the Klim Nix is the Montero, which I like, which I think is a cool looking suit. And then, I, like I said, I hate, and it, it doesn't show up here, but I hate the Mac knife, which will show up probably in the next movie. But, I mean, yeah, no, I just, you know, the mecha design in general is interesting. I, I really do like the G-Self. I feel like the G-Self is like, you know, if you've got the, the RX-78 on one end of the spectrum and you've got the Turn A on the other end of the spectrum, like, the G-Self is a good, like, in middle point between those, basically. It's got, like, the rounded curves of, yeah, like, the yeah. turn A, but it still looks like, you know, the RX-78 somehow. Well, I guess this means I need to sit down and watch turn A. Turn A Gundam. <laughs> yeah, turn A is turn fun. I mean, there was some kind of promotional thing, like, if you bought one of those uh, Tomino novels, like the Awakening novel, then they give you, like... Well, they say they give you up to 50% off your DVDs, but it's like 50% off the retail price, not their sale price. So it ends up being like, I don't know, 30% off, but still it's 30% off. So, uh, and I, 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 I almost pulled the trigger on that, but I haven't yet. I don't know if the deal's still going on or not, but uh, that would catch me up on all those uh, Blu-rays I haven't been buying for like the last six months or whatever. You know what, this show, I was remembering, this show doesn't, I don't think this show has a beach episode, but it does have, like, a jogging episode. Like, <laughs> there's an episode where they're all, like, jogging around the ship stuff. You know you know what, I, I, I you, you talked about the mobile suits and stuff. You know what I loved? I loved the design of the, the Capitol Guard city. Like, that golden city that they always come back to. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, I, I thought that was beautiful. You know, and they, they've got the fireworks and the different shit like that and the little mechanical land striders and all that kind of stuff. But, like, that... It, I, I don't I don't know what, what, what it was about that city, but I... I mean, it, it, it's, it was like one of those things where you're, you know, pro probably how you feel about, like, Pellucidar or, like, some... I'm trying to think, or maybe how I'd feel about, like, the Fortress of Solitude or something, but it's just, like, one of those things where you look at it, and it's, like, uh, it, it was, like, it, it's, like, looking at those photos of Hong Kong where they, like, try to, you know, doll it up and be, like, dude, Hong Kong's the most beautiful city ever. There's no pollution or nothing. You know, and you're looking at this golden city, and you're just, like, man, that just, I mean, it's, like, one of those things where you're, like, damn, I'd want to, like, go party in that city. Like, like, it's just, it looks so awesome. It made me think of something from, like, Flash Gordon, maybe. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll come back and discuss, you know, the second and third and fourth and fifth movies and sixth and seventh and eighth movies and, you know, however many. <laughs> all the, it'll, There'll be a bunch of uh, addendums and interstitial 
like in uh like things for I mean, like Camino to explain stuff. But... I, I would get more interested in this series of films if it became something like the Space Runway Ideon films, not in the sense that I want everybody to get horribly murdered, but in the sense that like if 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 there were aspects to this that got crammed and were unfinished because it went from a fifty episode series to a twenty six episode series, I, I would hope, you know, much like you know, Kirby doing the Deluxe New God series and the Hunger Dogs graphic novel. Like, if there were other things that Tomino wanted to do, like, I'm hoping that, like, fourth and fifth movie will, like, he'll, you know, do them and not just have it be, you know... Because to, to me, I, I gotta be honest, I'm glad you're here to tell us, like, what what stuff you noticed was different. But to me, I felt like I was watching... I was just re-watching five episodes of Rikungi Stenji to talk with you guys about. and And I felt like... In terms of a movie, like, I guess that'd be a criticism, uh, but just based on the movie aspect of it is, it was paced like five episodes of a TV series, not like a movie. Like, like even even when they tried to do some of those compilation movies for the, you know, the UC, you know, uh, original Mobile Suit Gundam, they tried to, like, frame it so that, like, oh, great, we'll have the big climactic fight between, you know, Ron Varal and Amaro. So, like, you end on something that's exciting. But like this, it's kind of like, oh, we're going to go fly into space. Oh, boy. We're going <laughs> to yeah. go fly into space. Okay, yeah. now it's time for the movie to end. And you're just like, well, couldn't you have, like, I don't know, manipulated things so that there was some big fight at the end or something that yeah. was exciting? And, and the last the last we see of Mask isn't when he's running away being like, fucking hackers, I'm going to get them quick fans. <laughs> like, <laughs> no one told me his fucking beam saber could extend. Like, it's like me playing uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 going, this is bullshit! I'm like, this is dumb. <sighs> alright, alright. Well, I think that will wrap up our discussion on Reconquista in G. If you have any comments and or questions and or concerns, if you're a Cantala and you're tired of all the shit talking, you can email us at fanhallspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of Mobile Suit Monday's episodes, you can find them on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We're on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, reshares, and tweets that we receive. We appreciate all the listens. You can also stream us on Stitcher Radio. We are on Apple Podcasts. We can also be streamed on Spotify and Google Play. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Hey, it's Mike. The world is not square. This is Justin. Tamino is a duty head. Maru Ramius and Sumeragi Lee Noriega forever. <laughs>
Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I don't I don't care who she uh captains like I need me some Miss Sumeragi. <laughs> yeah, like I I always thought that the, like when this show first came out, I feel like everyone was like, "Oh yeah, this takes place before Turn A mm-hmm. because Turn A is the last point in the Gundam timeline." That's what that's what was understood yeah. at the time. Yeah. yeah, but whatever. Whatever, man. Whatever. Turn A. Turn A Gundam. It's like if some this if this song st- if the the this title song started up and it was like Reconquista in G. Like, <laughs> Know what I do like the uh, the the Gundam's like kind of heroic theme the the 